All right. So now this is the time we're going to do prayer and praise. Do we have the mic runner? Aha. Anyone? Awesome. Well, praise. Um, well, I've struggled with addiction uh, pretty much since I was a teenager, and the Lord has really been pushing me to stay sober and you know, with the help of my friends. So, you know, Brad and other people at Pioneer Guest Home, they're helping me a lot with that. And, Amen. So that's a praise. And uh, prayers, um, we see. It's just unbelievable to see what's going on around the world and the country. And uh, I just want to, I don't even know, uh, prayers. Uh, everybody needs prayers, I mean, individually. Um, it's just I, I feel like everybody's going through a struggle. Um, it's, you know, I don't want to pinpoint anybody, but uh, there is one person specifically, actually, I do want to pray for. It's uh, my friend Dan. Um, he seems like he's doing uh, not so well. He uh, fell down the stairs not too long ago. Um, we had to, or we moved his room uh, from the top floor down to the bottom floor just because you know, he's been dropping things and things like that. It's really hard to see a good friend of mine have to deal with that on a daily basis. And, and what, what was his name? Uh, Dan Klinger. And also there's a, a friend of mine, uh, his name's Frank. Uh, he has a hard time walking around, and hes uh, I don't feel like he's getting the, the help that he needs necessarily. Um, try to be there for him as much as I can, but uh, it's a struggle seeing that. Um, what, is he, uh, what is he suffering from? Well, I think he has a bad back. Yeah, he walks around with a cane. To see his girlfriend, he has to walk several blocks and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, he's 80 years old. And he's still hanging in there, but, you know. I just want to thank him for sharing. Um, man, we can never be praying enough as God leads us, as you're seeing in these individuals. Um, thank God uh, that we take that, that time and, and lift them up in prayer. And uh, so, yeah, he does struggle. Uh, Frank uh, struggles a bit from just walking. And um, so praise God, we need to continue. Everybody lift one another up. And I think Debbie's next. I just want to thank everybody for the meals and for everything that this church has done for me. And I just want to say that I'm done with canes and, and walkers. My back is like my zero, my zero pain. And so I just wanted to thank and just thank everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I think we need to praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Amen. God is good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for sharing. So I have an update on baby Liam that we've been praying for. He's doing much better. I'll just read this, what I got. Um, Said he was a bit fussy last night because he's teething. But... um, He's playing with toys. He's out of his induced coma. Um, it's medically induced coma. And he's just wanting to go home. Um, they're getting going back up to full feeds. And he's off the feeding tube. And um, so our prayers now, our continued prayers for um, be free of blood clots, clear flow, good vitals, and no fluid buildup. But um, he's doing a lot better. He's no longer in an induced coma, and he's, I wish I could share this picture. It's adorable. But he's playing in his bed. So um, he's doing a lot better. Praise so God. praise God. Praise God. 
Thank you, Lord. God is good this morning. I just also want to thank the church for their prayers. Because when I came in last Sunday, I had a knot in my stomach. That was horrible. And the thoughts that were going through my head were not good either. So I want to thank everybody for their prayers because when I left here, that knot was gone. And those thoughts over the, this past week have diminished. I've been able to stay in prayer more so with, with my Lord Jesus. And I think three years is too long to hold on to something, which I've been trying to let go, but only God can help me with that. And he has been so much. I just, I just love him because... Where he's taking me, I don't know. Uh, but I'm just going to stay where he wants me until he tells me to leave. So awesome. just love him and thank him. And I thank for, I thank him for this church. We love you, Don. You're an essential part of this church. Everyone here has a part to play. Yes. Paul talks about we're all uh, a part of a body. We all have these different pieces. and We look different. We function different can't do without one another. Definitely. I just want to thank um, for this one of the songs that we talked about, we sang about, about hopelessness, that being a Christian, we know where our hope comes from. Even during this Amen. hopeless time, we know where yes. everything comes from, and That's we know right. we're taken care of, yeah. and we know God has a plan. Amen. That's right. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I appreciate that. It is, uh, it's comforting to know. I mean, when you look, I mean, our lives already have problems. And then when you look at uh, news, newspaper, whatever, online, it just gets nuttier and nuttier. And, and thank you, Jesus, you saved my baby. There's, there are other things after this life. And you yeah. see so many people that don't have Christ in their life. Right. They are hopeless. Right. And we have that hope to stand on. I know Timothy reminds me all the time, where does your hope come from? And with that, everything seems God has it in control. Yeah. I can live my life. Absolutely right. Amen. Absolutely right. Amen. Thank you, sure. Lord. So I have a praise and a prayer. Um, you all were helping to pray for my sister. Thank you so much. Um, she went to her appointment on the 25th, and the doctor said there is no blockage. And um, she, yeah, she said, praise God. And he said, oh, no, no, no. It was just a false report. And she says, no, no, this is a praise God. So um, in a prayer for um, our daughter, Felicia, and her family, there is um, some unbelief and a lot of spiritual battles going on in that home. She is really trying. Her significant other has different beliefs and um her son is going through, our grandson is going through a lot of emotional stuff. Again, the granddaughter's trying to change her gender. And so a lot going on in that house, and she's fighting this battle. Uh, Trevor. Yes. Trevor and Felicia? Yes.
I'm loud enough that I don't need this. <laughs> um, I'm just in awe um, of what God is doing in this church. Um, Debbie, I'm just, you are a walking miracle. Yes. In two weeks, you are pain free. That took my mom six months. And I just, what's going on with Debbie, what happened with Dawn last week, with what happened with Vicki, um, we are seeing God work, and we are seeing God answer prayers. Yes. And I just, I'm so in awe of his majesty. And Dawn, this week I did a devotion, and one of the things that stuck out to me that really pointed home for you that peace is not always a feeling, but a knowing. And it's knowing who holds us. Yeah. And who is in control. And I just, I wanted to share that with you. And just know that we've been praying for you. No crying, okay? I'm doing my best to keep it up here without sobbing. I don't mind tearing up, but I, I can't talk. When I'm tearing up, I sound like a gibbering mess. So that's been my only preparation for this. It's like, how how can I say this without crying? Noah, I'd just like to uh, bring up to the church the uh, restless spirits of the young and um, their uh, struggles with finding their place in society. So, so many. Young people think that their problems can simply be solved by changing their gender or loving uh, someone they aren't supposed to love in many facets. Um, I just want to pray for peace over them, that they understand and comprehend no matter what problems they're going through this physical world and the things they change physically about themselves are not the be all end all they aren't the totality of themselves that they're more than just flesh and what that flesh goes by it's definitely a, a lost generation out there. And, uh, I mean, we're all fellowshipping together. And you all know how tough your lives are and the yeah. challenges you're going through. Yes. Imagine what it's like for them uh, to be raised with uh, the ideology that's being Pilfered out there. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, well, I, I can't comprehend it. Uh, I basically uh, was raised in the church. I, I don't know what it's like not to have Jesus. Amen. Really. Amen. Maybe when I was five and I didn't get that present I wanted for Christmas, you know, that was like, <laughs> at, you know, as far as that's concerned. But anyone else? Uh, I'd like to. Uh, give an update on uh, James Markell, my uh, right. my cousin. Um, 
this just came in this morning. He's doing well. Friday was his second chemo treatment. Uh, this is, uh, I believe, James is about 23 years old. He's a young man. Uh, and Friday was his second uh, treatment. Um, I believe there's a total of like nine of these treatments. And, um, and so I think most of us are familiar, you know, what chemo treatments do to an individual. Uh, it's, it's a tough deal. Um, so, you know, after that, he was feeling pretty, pretty bad, pretty crummy. And, um, uh, but uh, Ellen says that it, it could be much worse. Um, now, I forget this particular cancer, but it's a very rare cancer. And they had to use, um, or they're trying some new chemo for this particular and what area, what area was that, the cancer? Thank you. Thank you. And so, um, so anyway, James is hanging in there. It's, it's a tough deal. It's a, it's a rare uh, cancer. And so continued prayers uh, for him. And then also, while I've got the mic, Brother uh, Danny um, Lawson, um, he couldn't make it to church this morning again. Um, he did get his vehicle repaired, but he's still looking for a home. Um, so let's let's uh, continue to pray for uh, God to find him uh, a home. Did we have any others? Um, let me, uh, well, you have. Well, I had it, but then I lost my phone. I don't know where it is. She texted me, but I didn't get a chance to read it. And I don't know where my phone is and, now. Is she, is she having the, the knee surgery? She had knee surgery last week, um, and she was in a lot of pain on Friday night. Um, but I haven't had an update. Yeah. So. She did update me, but I'll let you guys know when I read my and find my phone. I have a prayer request for my oldest grandson, Randy, again. He goes in on the 1st of November for his very first with the surgeons, I guess, to check out what they're going to do. But he's has to go in for open heart surgery to have a mechanical valve put in. He's already had one on one side. After they did that surgery, they found out they didn't have to break his chest open to do it, but they'd already done that. So, yeah. I and mean, I just pray that God just finds the right doctor. He gets the right doctors to check out what's going on before they have to break his chest open again to do what they did the last time when they didn't have to do that. He's just 30, I think he's 35, 36 years old now. And uh, I just, he just needs God. He needs God to, hopefully when he's under, God's revealing himself to him because I sure have been praying that a lot. But anyway, just, just keep him in prayer for all of this. 
This isn't as much a prayer request, of course it could be though. Uh, this Thursday, November 3rd, we're having a celebration of life for my wife. So if anybody wanted to attend, we are serving dinner. It's gonna be two o'clock November 3rd at Hurricane Creek Grange. Um, thank you. That's Thursday, November 3rd at two o'clock. Hurricane Green. Can we do it? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hi. Man, I was losing space on my page. So, um, people's prayers are being answered. Amen. So don't take this lightly. Um, I remember years ago, uh, we, uh, we were meeting at, at my other church daily for prayer, and we decided, hey, why don't we keep a log and see what prayers are answered? And we stopped doing it after a few months. You know why? They're all answered. They were all answered and figured out. So uh, uh, this, is the, this is the motor. This is the motor of getting, uh, getting to where God wants us to go, is prayer. Okay, so let's, let's just bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we, we are a needy people. Lord, we need you. Lord, you, you created us to do your works. You created, created us uniquely, but you created us to need you. Lord, this country needs you. Uh, just the general uh, uh, situation of a planet, but also its individuals and how uh, addiction has uh, ravaged this uh, this country. And uh, Lord, we lift up those struggling with addiction. Lord, those who uh, uh, have conquered it but still have that, that fleshly enticement, Lord. Oh, Lord, in those dark moments, be with them. Lord, comfort them. Lord, bring bring those from the body, Lord, to Lord, to be with them and comfort them. Be an answer of some sort. Lord, we lift up Dan and Frank to you. Lord, and their, their physical needs. Lord, we pray for those around them. Lord, we pray that uh, if their needs aren't supernaturally met, Lord, that, that you would uh, have those about them uh, could supply their needs for transportation or, or food or fixing whatever, Lord. Lord, we lift up Randy. Lord, in this open heart surgery, this mechanical valve that needs to be uh, put in. Lord Jesus, we just pray for the right doctors. Lord, that that when uh, they meet for this consult, Lord, that uh, they know the right way to do it. They know which way to go. And Lord, that is the best and less invasive uh, for Randy. Lord, and that this would be a complete uh, procedure. Lord, there wouldn't be a string of procedures afterwards. Lord, that this would be it for Randy. And we lift up Felicia and Trevor's household to you, Lord. Lord, in their unbelief or, or disagreements uh, on which way to believe, or, Lord, uh, uh, false beliefs in that house, Lord. I, I pray for peace and understanding and uh, spirits that are, are, are open for your, your move, Lord. And Holy Spirit, go through that house. 
Lord, and touch each one deeply. Lord, and not just the type of touch that we hear and people are excited and it fades, but the type of touch that comes and stays. It's the, it's the, uh, the swinging moment. It's the, it's the, the crucial moment that it, it becomes the testimony. This was the time that everything changed. Lord, change. I lift up the youth, Lord, uh, and the lost generation that they seem to be. Lord, it seems like every generation is dealing with a deeper and deeper type of loss. And Lord, it seems like this is this is a deep, dark one. Lord, reach this country for you, Lord. Oh, Lord, how can we help? How can we best be ambassadors? of the Spirit, Lord Jesus, your Holy Spirit moving through us. Lord, please let us be aware of how we can, Lord, or otherwise supernaturally move. Lord, I pray for a revival amongst these youth. We pray for James, Lord, and the the, uh, lymphoma treatment that he's going through. And just pray a continuing uh, 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 blessing, uh, uh, gifting for the for the physicians that uh, as they continue this treatment, they know what to do and how to do it in the duration, Lord, and that they would be ever uh, mindful of of his uh, recovery, Lord. And I pray if you want to, Lord, if it is your will, supernaturally, Lord, just remove the lymphoma. Thank you. Lift up Danny, looking for a home. Lord, I, I, it is a tough place to find residence here, Lord. Lord, I just pray that uh, that home that's uh, waiting for him, Lord, that it would be uh, soon and it would be adequate, Lord. Yes. Or lift up Julia to you and her uh, her knee replacement or uh, surgery. Lord, I pray that this uh, pain would instantly go away. We would get the report. Lord, that uh, she is completely well, Lord, and, uh, and there is um, uh, complete 100% healing and complete use of the need. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I actually brought one of my old Bibles with me because normally when I'm in service, I'm, I'm using my phone app. And I thought, oh, man, what if there was ever that time where I, you know, like, like do one of the props where I say, you know, the word of God. I, I, I just don't think this, this doesn't do it. <laughs> but it's a, it's a crazy handy app, the Bible that they put, you know, on these phones. It's it's so uh it's it's accommodating, right? And I I can have multiple uh translations. Uh, very, very handy. So um this is a testimony. This is not a testimony of how I got saved. I, I think I alluded uh, earlier. I, I was raised in the church. I, I had good parents and, and all of that. Uh, this is more of uh, a testimony of my mission. And 
Uh, I don't know if you realize I'm a missionary and you are my destination. You, uh, you could have been in Africa, you could have been in, in some third world country and we were all living in huts, but it didn't turn out that way. I was sent here uh, in America. You know, I, my wife's very happy of that. Um, when, when she married me, I was, I'm a missionary. We could be anywhere. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. But um, uh, I am a nurse practitioner. I, I practice medicine as a nurse practitioner. Um, I'm here locally. But I want to point out that I'm not a provider that does mission work. I'm a missionary that I happen to uh, practice medicine. So it's kind of a different outlook. and One that I find um, at, my, at my job, uh, and rightly so, uh, most of the people I work around, they are 100% dedicated to practicing medicine. They, they have devoted their whole lives to and my, my viewpoint is a little bit different in that I've, I've devoted my whole life to mission work. Um, and in that, I am very devoted in my practice, but uh, it's, it, it's very interesting uh, working with people alongside that have that slightly different focus. Um, so I now want to go all the way back to the beginning where I started, um, and I was born with a cleft palate. Um, and it's a birth defect that uh, it's where the nose and lip, they, they don't fuse properly. The palate behind it, it doesn't come together right. And because of that, it requires painful surgeries. It requires um, many, many oral surgeries. It is, uh, it's something that I endured from uh, three months old to 16 years old. Uh, I had seven years of speech therapy. Uh, and about 10 years of braces and appliance work. So I had something stuck to my teeth or my mouth that helped me speak properly. Um, so this is what I want you to take away from this. I, it was a painful, dreadful time. Yeah, my home life was fine. I had great parents. But this aspect of my life was all-consuming. It, it was painful. I would dread the summers. The summers were when I would have these surgeries. So all school year, I would dread summer when everyone else was looking forward to it. So at the age of 16, I was given the choice to continue with uh, a couple other optional uh, surgeries or to be done with it. Basically, what they had done up until that point was what was needed. Uh, there were some other things, and I chose to stop. Uh, and it wasn't—it wasn't really a, a chance to stop, but it was a chance to flee. It was a chance to flee, you know, doctors and the pain and Western medicine. And I don't know exactly how to describe it, but as a as a teenager, it was like being on a conveyor belt in a pain factory. And someone said, do you want to hit the stop button? And man, I wanted this whole thing to stop. Um, looking back, that decision kind of created an outlook which structured my life. And 
that was one that avoided the medical community in all but the most needed and dire circumstances. I found a chiropractor to take care of basically all my needs. I would gravitate towards naturopathic remedies. I would adopt eating and exercising routines that made sure that I never have to go to the doctor, ever. Um, my life was blissfully uh, free of the medical community. When I was 19, God said, I'm calling you into the mission field, Mike. I was an auto electrician at the time. I worked in a shop. I was mechanically inclined. I had gotten out of the Army uh, as a radar technician. I had all kinds of mechanical and electronic background for diagnosing and fixing stuff. So it was natural for me to see myself, I don't know, in some foreign land, living in a hut, fixing something. And that was my mindset. Lord said, hey, I'm going to send you off to be a missionary. Boom, I got you, Lord. I'm, I know exactly where you're headed. I'm, I'm there too. I knew a number of things, though. Number one, I had not received that direction yet. I knew I was a missionary, but, but there is this, this direction. I don't know if you know what I mean, but uh, maybe if you've uh, been waiting for the Lord to send you somewhere, answer something, not necessarily in the missionary sense, but, but you know, is there something I'm supposed to do, Lord, and you're waiting for that spiritual com confirmation. I knew I hadn't had it yet. Even though I had it in my mind where we're going with this, I, I knew I hadn't gotten a direction. And I knew the Lord said, you're going to wait. You're going to wait. You're going to prepare. And then I'll send you. Great. As the years went on, I would start to second guess myself. Because I hadn't been sent. I hadn't gotten direction. And many things in my life uh, would, would happen. Uh, I, uh, I got married, children. Uh, but I would continually wonder, had I missed it? Uh, you know, are, am I in the type of job you want me in? Should I be somewhere else now? Did I miss it? Should I be living uh, in some foreign country doing my thing and the Lord would always ask me the same question Mike what would you do for me and I'd say oh Lord I'd do anything for you well then do this meaning stay where you're at do what you're doing and keep it up throughout the next 18 years he would ask me to do challenging things. It would be hard on my finances. It would be hard on my body. It would challenge my comfort zones. I would go on short missions when the Spirit prompted me, but I knew that wasn't that calling, that direction. I knew that that wasn't what I was waiting for. And again, I, I, I wondered, did I miss it? And I'd ask him. And he said, Mike, what would you do for me? I said, Lord, I would do anything for you. Then do this. And as I was going through this process, I was tempted to see myself in a rut or being stuck. I could feel there was this 
It was like I was standing here. There's a barrier here. And my direction, my calling, it's like right on the other side. It was always so close. I could, I could dream of my missions and, and what I'd be doing. And they'd always encompass that typecast, whatever I was good at. You know, I, I can fix uh, uh, machinery and electronics. Uh, I could work at an airfield and fix radar. I could do all types of these things. I'm ready. But, well, I mean, maybe the airfield hasn't been built yet. Is that what I'm waiting for? I mean, what am I waiting for? And he'd always ask me the same thing. Like, what would you do for me? Well, I'll do anything for you. Well, then do this. Now, I realize that as the years went on, the Lord asked me the same question. and I basically gave him the same answer. But I said the same thing. I'll do anything for you. But the anything part was changing in meaning. Anything meant more year after year. Meaning, when I first started out, I figured, oh, yeah, I'll go somewhere and I'll, I'll be fixing cars or, I don't know, a radar unit or whatever I'm going to do. That's fine. And in retrospect, I think my heart had this, uh, this ceiling on what God would want from me. Well, I mean, because after all, I'm not good with this thing or that thing or the other. I mean, I'm, I'm not, it's not even on my radar. It's not like God's asking me to do something I'm not prepared for and I'm resisting. It, it just isn't even on my awareness, uh, uh, my sensitivity. And then the Lord called me into medicine. So if you could think of one thing I would not ever want to do, ever, it would be this. But by the time I hit 18 years of waiting, I was ready. I didn't even hesitate. I mean, it wasn't like I had some ultra-spiritual skill. It wasn't like that. Um, in fact, I don't even recall struggling. In hindsight, if I were to have been called one year sooner, I think I would have had a problem quite, quite frankly. I, I did have barriers, um, but otherwise, I felt uniquely empowered to do uh, the training. Uh, yeah. It took me, in its entirety, 15 years of, uh, of uh, secondary education, uh, five degrees. I, I finished out my, my terminal degree, uh, my doctorate, uh, earlier this year. Um, and it turns out, once I started practicing, that my pain and my history gave me unique insight for patients dealing with uncertainty. Uh, you know, I, I could comfort people 
with certain types of pain. Um, I, I would be this unique listener. They would comment, and you're different. You're different than that other provider or than all the other providers. I have, I have patients that don't want to move from the area. They say, the one reason I don't want to move from the area, I'll have to find another provider. I, I, I like the way you and I interact. And that is solely based on my past of pain. <clears throat> so, in this, and, I, and there, there are lots of qualifiers for what I'm about to say, but the basic truth is, I don't, I don't think waiting A, was a defiance to God. I don't think waiting was unproductive. Obviously, I, I, I told you year after year, my anything became more and more. Um, but I think we miss something in that I think waiting is something. I'm going to read just a list of, of scriptures, and they're all going to be in the message and I'll give you a chapter verse representation, but I don't know if you understand the uh, message uh, translation. The numbers don't exactly line up to others, so I'm, I'm just going to read them off instead of you guys trying to find it, you know, within the verses of, of whatever translation you're reading out of today. But so waiting is not necessarily a bad thing. Romans eight twenty two to twenty five. Paul is saying, that is why waiting does not diminish us anymore than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in waiting. Romans 12, 1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try and figure out everything on your own. Listen to God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. So, I uh, let out the dog this morning, and, and we kind of ran around. I was looking at the uh, uh, Ruby Peak, and it started getting rosy. And I can't see the sunrise from that angle of my house. And I walked around to the front, opened up the gate, and there was a glorious, glorious, ever-changing, Sunrise. Did anyone see it? Yeah. Whoa. And what was really unique, usually sunrises start and then like over. 
uh, two minutes, they're, they're, they're gone. This one faded and came back and faded. Like 20 minutes of this. Um, at last, I think it was about 25 minutes later, I called Tina out. Look at that. It's still going. Um, but one thing I want to point out is that um, uh, I didn't have to do anything to make that sunrise happen. All I had to do was wait, and it did it all by itself. So when I turned around, and I was headed for the back door, which is how we get into our house, and past the garage, and I could see all the repairs that need to be done on the, on the garage. And there's the gate. There's plenty of it. There's a nail popped up on the top. And it needs to be finished. The latch is always loose. And then I went up the, uh, the ever bare steps. I don't care what you paint them with. Right, Will? Those deck steps are horrible. One, one season. And they're done. And I, I planed them. I prepped them. I put the, that special deck paint you told me about on them. And that's all I got. One year. And it starts flaking. Those are man-made. My garage is man-made. That fence is man-made. My steps are man-made. And I continually have to pour out maintenance on so this is what I want you to see. Things of God, all you're, all you're doing is waiting. Things of man, you are always maintaining. All right? And sometimes things of God looks crazy. It looks painful. There's, there's this horrible uh, volcanic eruption, and there's all this destruction and everything. And then if you wait, Hawaii happens. Okay? Right. If, you know, there's all this ice and there's all this, this water and there's all this destruction is that and the glaciers are moving and they're just ripping up earth. And if you wait, you have the Grand Canyon. Right. And then there's all this planing and there's all this sanding and there's all this priming and painting. And if you wait for one season, those steps need to be painted again. Again. I still haven't figured out how to get that back door latching right to where it's tight, but doesn't want to just pop out of the... I mean, it's crazy how many things that we make. Our cars, we're waxing them, we're changing the oil and the, and the, and the tires and the this and the that. But the trees, they still grow. Mountains, they are adorned. The, the, the fields have their lilies. Everything's being taken care of. That's God's. Well, why aren't we looking at our lives like that? If, if you want continual maintenance on your walk with God, you just interfere. Okay? Uh, obviously, there's caveats to that. You know, it, it isn't all about just waiting, but um, listening and being guided while waiting. How? What's the word? 
What a no-brainer that was. God does not waste the pain we endure. James 1, 2-4. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Don't don't try and get out of waiting for being called on your mission. Don't try and get out of waiting for that friend of yours to get saved. Whatever that issue in your life Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And finally, your life circumstances should not limit your anything. I would say, you know, Mike, what would you do for me? And I would say, Lord, I'd do anything for you. And I, I believe it's just human nature that our anything's they change. Second Corinthians 9.8 God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done. Ephesians 3.20 God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess. Or request in your wildest dreams. He does it. Not by pushing us around. But by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. That that gently was 18 years by the way. Gently. Because if he had to do it in 18 months. That would not have been gentle. So I, I haven't perfected my, my anything. Uh. I believe that uh, tomorrow my anything is going to be challenged and it's going it's to increase as I continue to wait and mature. The Lord is going to have bigger and better things for me. And what may be impossible to me might be second nature to you and vice versa. So your anything is not age-dependent, it's not finance-dependent, it's not resource-dependent, and it's not comfort-dependent. It's only God and wisdom-dependent. So that's all I have. And I thought I'd, uh, if anyone had any questions about this part of my testimony, I'd be happy to answer them. But I also thought this might be a good time if you have any instances in your life where God's used your pain or your trials as a new tool to help others. Questions? Testimony? Anyone? All right, I have one more. So, um, 
I'm an ex-biker. Uh, I used to be solely on a motorcycle, didn't uh, drive a car, uh, and I looked the part. Um, somewhat scary. And um, you know, shaved head, uh, long goatee, uh, leather jacket, combat boots, and all of that. And I was living in uh, Phoenix, Arizona area, and I was coming back home. Uh, to my parents, they lived in uh, Springfield at the time. So uh, I took I-10 to L.A. and then I-5 up to, uh, to uh, Springfield. And uh, probably doesn't have too much to do with the testimony, but it sure does add color to the story. Because first, I had headwinds coming from, uh, um, uh, as I was traveling from Phoenix to L.A., I had, I had about 60 mile an hour headwinds. And um, uh, my bike, I didn't have a, a shield or anything. And so I got windburn on my face. And then... And then they had uh, something akin to a tropical rainstorm waiting for me when I got to L.A. So I got pelted uh, in, the, uh, in the face. Basically, it was like getting a sunburn and then just having someone uh, spank you in the face after that um, repeatedly. And then by the time uh, I was over the grapevine and into uh, the Bakersfield area, which is uh, about an hour north of L.A., um, some stinging insect hit me in the neck and then dropped down into my leather jacket. So, again, probably not testimony-based, but it sure does make for a funny image because I am, like, taking my motorcycle. I'm off of I-5, millions of people traveling either direction, and here, here's this idiot you know, flinging off all his clothes, because I was thinking, well, if it's one of those uh, uh, one of those hornets that, that can just sting you repeatedly, I don't want him waking up. I know he got knocked out when he hit my neck, because I was almost knocked out. Um, that thing hit me like a rock. And then the sting after it, what an insult. Anyway, so that, that was also on the, the burn part that just got pelted by all the rain. So... I, I don't even remember if I found it. I don't think I did. Um, so I get back on one of the most reliable bikes I've ever ridden. 40,000 miles on that bike. That thing never gave me one issue until that day where probably another 30 minutes and it just stopped running. So... I see there's an off-ramp, which is actually a blessing because in that stretch, you could go miles. You're in the middle of nowhere. Well, probably not anymore. It's probably all city now. But uh, at the time, it was nothing but either uh, just uh, uh, grassy fields or farmland or, or whatever. And um, I saw an off-ramp with a, with a gas station up there. I thought, okay, I'll just push that up. Uh, there, I'd probably get a phone. That was before cell phones. Well, I mean, they had cell phones, but, but they looked like a, you know, Scooby-Doo lunchbox with a receiver hooked to it, you know? Um, and uh, I figured I'd just uh, 
push it up there, and then I'll, I'll, I'll call, and maybe yeah, I'm about eight, nine hours from home. Maybe I can find a buddy who can, you know, come down, and I don't know what's wrong with this motorcycle. And um, so as I'm pushing, and, and keep in mind, I don't know, you see I've got a bandana on, you know, my, my uh, black leather jacket, and my boots, and dagger sticking out of my, my combat boot. And there's this, uh, I think it was a Cadillac, an older, like a 70s Cadillac, passed me. And then his brake lights came on. And then they came off. And they came on again. And off. And he started swerving over. And then he got back in his lane. I'm thinking, oh boy, this guy's really hurting. And then finally, after uh, a number of those instances, he finally pulled over and just stopped. And I'm pushing my bike still towards the, uh, the off-ramp. And I come up to the place where he at, he's at, and, uh, and the window's down, and it's pretty scruffy-looking guy. He's like, I think God wants me to give you a ride. And it's funny, you know, as, as we drove, and there's, and there's more to the story, I'll go back, but as we drove, he was arguing with God on the freeway with his brake and swerving and all of uh, because he didn't want to pick up this horrible-looking guy. He, he was a father of two, separated from his wife. And if I remember the story correctly, his wife was on some sort of meth or drug bender, and his kids were out somewhere homeless in the city of Sacramento, just without a parent one, and he had just found out about it and was traveling from L.A. to Sacramento to try and find his kids. And he's picking me up? I mean, I know I'm a real nice guy, but I don't look like a nice guy. And all of that pain, all of the everything I endured, what in the world? And I'm not even thinking on the God line, right? I'm thinking on the I'm stuck at I-5 line. But the blessing I was to him that day, without measure. We prayed. I fed him. He got me to Sacramento. I got to get a bus there. But um, we actually stayed in contact for years after that. But um, my inconvenience was his tool to find his children. Um, with, without that, he felt hopeless going, trying to find. And he found his kids right off the bat. I don't know if you know how big Sacramento is, but that's awesome. Uh, and uh, I think he had written me. It only took a few months for him to write me, like, sent me uh, pictures and, and, and whatnot of, of the kids and all. But uh, um, the blessing I was to him was second only the, to the blessing of him finding his kids. So... We actually, uh, my dad and I, we got a, a truck and trailer. Uh, no, just the truck. And we went down to, uh, to that area, picked up the bike. Number one miracle 
was that the bike was still there. Number two miracle, the bike started right up. <laughs> and never had a problem ever since. That's all I got. Um, uh, let me just close with prayer. Lord Jesus, I, I, I thank you for this time you've given for that, for the saints to come together. Lord, and to encourage one another. Thank you for all of the, the praise reports, Lord, and uh, thank you for the blessing that each one of those who call Abundant Life their home is to the rest of this body. Lord, we love you. I pray for a, a blessed week for everyone uh, here and uh, for those not attending. In Jesus' name, amen.